I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and welcome to this week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Uh, today's episode is going to be full of hopefully some very valuable information for you, but it's also going to be full of a lot of emotion for me. I'm passionate about the Constitution. I'm passionate about holding government accountable and protecting our individual God-given liberties. But I've also been personally physically assaulted and emotionally traumatized by the events of November 3rd, 2020 in Allegan County, Michigan, as I was fighting for those very important things. Uh, what I want to do, of course, is... Uh, get started with what um, a few of the things you guys have come to know that I do in these weekly videos. Um, keep in mind, I am not a tech genius. And man, this week we have seen a whole host of technological difficulties, even ones that we have never encountered before. So I apologize in advance. And I hope that you could stick with me because I guarantee you the material I have for you today is exceedingly important. And I can almost guarantee you that if you haven't already needed this information, you will within the course of probably this year, if not next, that you yourself will likely, if you have an interest in freedom, if you have an interest in fighting for what's right and not just obeying uh, the rules, so to speak, um, despite how wrong they may be, then you will likely find yourself in a situation where you will need to know what the law is and how you can use it uh, on your side. So uh, what I want to do is start us off with 1 Peter 5 verses, verse 10. And uh, this comes out of the NIV translation. And the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little, a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And um, actually that's probably the longest uh, sentence I have used um, as uh, one of the biblical passages I've highlighted in this weekly show. Um, so what are some of the main words that caught my attention uh, for this? What are some of the main pieces that jumped out at me um, that I thought would be the most relevant to what we're talking about today? Well, uh, I actually heard that uh, this passage in service this week and something about it. Um, I have a trouble concentrating in church. Um, I don't know why, but I do. And something about this in the midst of my mind wandering, it grabbed me and I thought, whoa, okay, what's going on? 
Uh, so there's there's a bit of uh, something outside of my personal choice or explanation that brought me to this passage. But God, okay, after you have suffered a while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So I think it was this last Sunday, uh, two Sundays ago, I was asked to be a, um, a guest on um, a nationally syndicated show uh, about the Constitution and freedom. And they also uh, go live uh, over the air on um, Southern California radio. Um, the host of the show, turns out, was not able to be there this last Sunday. And it's uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So they actually asked me at the end of, you know, two Sundays ago's show to, um, um, if I'd be willing to, to host, to guest host the entire show for two hours uh, a couple days ago on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who may have been following me for almost right about two full years now, You've now seen me do hundreds of videos, thousands of hours of video or in-person uh, presentations or speaking on the steps of the Capitol on numerous occasions or fighting uh, in, you know, the Michigan Supreme Court um, in oral argument or answering uh, phone calls, emails, text messages for tens of thousands of people. But I can tell you that uh, none of that is really comfortable for me. And uh, I never really did much of anything with social media before all of this. I had never done a Facebook Live before May May of 2020. Um, certainly never did a YouTube Live before October 2nd of 2020. And uh, it's just not my favorite thing to do. So this whole thing... Uh, speaking in front of people and um, having to talk about the Constitution and try to educate others, including other attorneys and law enforcement personnel, uh, government officials, but obviously just regular citizens as well. It pushes me outside of my comfort zone on a regular basis. Um, and doing these thousands of videos, uh, well, hundreds of videos, thousands of hours, certainly thousands of pages of uh, appellate briefs in my own case with Allegan County, with uh, the case that the law, uh, the legislature filed against uh, the governor in Michigan in 2020, uh, the case, the a totally separate and distinct case that a different group of plaintiffs um, filed against the governor of Michigan in 2020 in federal court that got moved to the Michigan Supreme Court to answer some questions. <laughs> um, I'm one person. Let's be clear. I don't have any paid staff. None. I don't have people that uh, go and check my mail for me every day or, you know, that comb through um, my email inbox or, uh, you know, that get paid to do whatever, all the typical tasks that, you know, those high-priced attorneys have. Uh, every single other attorney that was arguing in the Michigan Supreme Court for or against these uh, executive orders in 2020, they were all getting paid. They all had staff of some kind. 
Um, I don't have any of that. And this whole time I haven't had any of that because, uh, well, I'm working for you, the people of this great country on a volunteer basis, on a donation basis. And um, that changes a lot of things. That means I got to do a lot of stuff by hand and uh, do a lot of stuff personally that a lot of other attorneys wouldn't do uh, themselves anyway. Uh, dealing with everything from tech uh, and the issues with the technology to, um, you know, staying up on the cases and, and reading things um, to uh, drafting the the briefs and everything myself. I, you know, I don't have help with those things. Uh, what I do have is uh, Lori and Mike, Mike being my husband, to um, help me where they can, uh, when they can on a variety of different tasks, but uh, they're tired and I'm exhausted as well. So all of that being said, one of the things that has hit me the hardest was, uh, and I apologize, but all of a sudden it's like 3000 degrees in this room. One of the things that has hit me the hardest was um, actually what happened to me on election day in 2020. And it was physically traumatizing. It was emotionally traumatizing. And the case is still going on. It's still going. And my rights are trampled left and right at every turn in this whole situation. So I am exhausted and there are are several times where I felt like I just want to quit. I don't know what quitting would look like because it's not my case that I'm pursuing against them. It's their case they're pursuing against me. I can't just walk away from it. Um, but there are times that I'm like, Ugh, I just don't even know what to do anymore. And I've wanted to just walk away. But I know that I need to stay strong. I know that, first of all, I know, let's look at God's word that I just read. I know I'm going to suffer a little while. But I know after that suffering, he is going to restore me and make me strong, firm, and steadfast. But I also know I'm not the only one who's going through these kinds of things. I'm not the only one who is encountering challenges, whether it's with your job or with um, uh, your ch child's school or uh, with your church or with your family or in your place of, you know, where you live or in the ability to get medical care. Our lives have been turned upside down because uh, the government has deemed it okay to totally disregard the Constitution, to throw out all the restraints that are placed upon them in that Constitution and to totally trample upon all of the individual liberties that the government is instituted to protect in the first place. So uh, with all that being said, I haven't gone very far in my uh, episode with you this week. I want to move on, but please know don't despair. Don't lose hope. Uh, the reason why I brought up the um, being on the episode, uh, or excuse me, being the uh, the host of of that uh, gentleman's show this week on Sunday, is because the question was asked of me. Um, 
something about, you know, like losing hope and are we ever going to be able to curtail this government um, uh, overreaching or violating of our rights? And the answer is, as my husband actually said, he said it better than I could have said, and I can't even remember exactly how he said it, but as long as we're still here, as long as we have not been called home yet, as long as Jesus has not yet returned to take us home, there will be an epic battle of good and evil. And, you know, we will always be fighting one battle after another uh, to win this greater war. But we are winning in a lot of ways. So I don't want you to give up. And I want you to have this uh, passage to keep you hopeful and remind you that he will restore you and strengthen you. Um, so one thing I have been neglectful in doing, uh, but um, I need to, is to remind you all that we have not a ton, uh, but some items I call Restore Freedom Goodies. So we have some shirts. Uh, we will be redesigning those at some point. Um, we have, you know, pocket constitutions at this point. We have super awesome uh, Restore Freedom. Oh, it's not even going to show you. It's going to blur it. Okay. Well, anyway, Restore Freedom Pop Sockets, which are the brand name Pop Sockets. Good quality. Um, I've had that one on the phone for a year and a half. Uh we have uh, window decals that you can put in your car, at your home, at your business. Uh, they have a QR code. So if somebody sees it and they're like, oh, Restore Freedom, what's that about? They could scan it with their phone and then it'll take them to the website and they can get all sorts of information. A great way to spread the word about the fight that we're doing. Uh, one of the things that I have, um, we were doing a lot of, I won't be... <sighs> unless there's some sort of like spike in interest and whatnot, uh, I won't be renewing these once they're out, but we do have quite a few left of the car magnets. We have some large ones, uh, but primarily the medium ones that it's hard because when we get orders in, when you order a constitution, uh, little constitution books or a pop socket or the decals, it's me. I'm the one that's packaging it in an envelope and writing your address on it and going to the post office and mailing it. And uh, it's time consuming. So uh, I do want to make sure we have stuff available, but we're going to limit and be a little bit more um, fine tuned with what we're doing. But we do have these really beautiful. Oh, it's not going to show you because um, it's not me. If I attach it to my head, oh, there we go. It's not going to blur it. Anyway, um, more freedom, less government, restore freedom with Catherine Henry. Uh, constitutional education and advocacy is what it says. And there's a huge Q, oops, wrong side, QR code over here that, uh, again, will take people to uh, the website where they'll be able to uh, look at all the resources we have, check out our videos, documents, legal briefs, etc. So, um, Today, when we're talking about the issues of your right to be on government property, um, uh, sorry, the sun is changing uh, direction now and it's becoming a little bit more blinding for me <laughs> right in my eye. Um, 
There we go. Okay. So, um, as we talk about these issues of your right to be on government property generally, as well as um, your right to be on privately owned property that is open to the general public, there's several provisions of the Constitution that would be relevant, but I'm just highlighting for you two. Uh, the first one is in the U.S. Constitution, uh, the First Amendment, and um, the well, it's basically the same thing. But the second one is uh, in the Michigan State Constitution, Article 1, Section 3. I didn't pull up for you this week what the Florida analogy would be, um, but I'm sure you can find it and follow along. Um, but it is the portion that I'm talking about is to uh, the, the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Okay, the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. And now that I say it, although I did tell you that there are several other parts that would apply, uh, the most um, pertinent of the ones that I didn't delineate earlier is the 14th Amendment, equal protection of the law. That is essential. That is huge. So the three resources I have for you today, and I'm going to do this at the beginning because I'm going to get into the substance here and, uh, well, the substance often carries me away. The three uh, resources I have for you, of course, the links are in the description of this video. Uh, if you're you know, listening uh, while you're driving or you're at work and you can't uh, pull those up right now, they're available for you later by uh, clicking back on the description itself. But the first one is a link to the brief that I pointed you guys to last week. It's the substantive uh, procedural due process appeal that I was making in my own case. The link uh, brings you right to that part of my website. So it doesn't open up my website. It actually opens up the brief. And uh, it's pages 18 through 21. So it's not like it's the whole stinking brief. Not all 60 pages, certainly not the hundreds of pages of the appendix, but pages 18 through 21 of the brief. Uh, then I have for you the link to uh, the Directory of Michigan Prosecuting Attorneys. And third is the Directory of Michigan Sheriffs. I, again, did not uh, have the time this week to be able to pull up the Florida uh, analogous websites, but with a quick Google search, I am sure that you would be able to find that listing uh, in your state, whether it's Florida or somewhere else. So, uh, ways to get involved. I'm going to say it very quickly now. It might not make sense, but I will reiterate this uh, at the end of the discussion. So, in case you don't know much about what my case is about or the um, atrocities to our Constitution and to all of our individual liberties, um. I'll put it into context by reminding you at the end of the video, but I, my request for you, this is not even so much a request. It is an idea to get involved this week. It's certainly not a challenge. All the other ones uh, to this point have been a challenge to you, a way to get involved, to stretch yourself, to put in that little bit of time to be specific and intentional about how you're getting involved to fight for freedom. But this week, 
I would encourage you to email prosecutor at allegancounty.org and or the sheriff at F as in Frank, Baker at allegancounty.org to let them know your thoughts on this case. They're elected officials. They have a duty to uphold and support and defend the Constitution, the Michigan State Constitution and the U.S. Constitution and all constitutionally enacted laws. And if you think they're doing a great job and you want to let them know, go ahead and do that. If you think they are doing such a huge disservice to not only me, but to the whole system that we have and causing not just me, but people all over in Michigan and elsewhere to lose faith in our judicial system and the way that it's supposed to work, I would encourage you to reach out to them. The prosecutor is literally prosecutor at allegancounty.org and the sheriff is F as in Frank Baker at allegancounty.org. And I will hopefully remember to invite you to, to do the same thing at the beginning or excuse me, at the end of this discussion today. So what I want to do is play for you um, the video. Uh, it's three minutes, I think, uh, uh, that I've been recording, working on recording literally all day because I wanted to give you that brief description of really what this case is about without me going on all my like, you know, side chats and discussions of different pieces of the constitution, et cetera, and really describe it in the most succinct way possible to tee this discussion up and give you an understanding of where we're going with our constitutional education today. So, um, I am working on that right now. We'll see. Um, looks like my computer doesn't want to cooperate. My worry is also that I might get a little too, um, yeah, it's not going to work. So it's not even allowing me to cancel. Hopefully you guys can still see me because I can't even see my screen right now. I'm going to give it just a second to see if it's going to allow me to just close out of that. Who knows? Let's see. Well, it looks like maybe you can see me. I can't even click the button uh, to see your comments to see if any of you are saying that you can see me. Um, sweet. Nothing on my computer is working. Like I told you earlier, I'm having technical difficulties like never before today. Um, not that my computer's, you know ever, never failed me before it has, but, uh, just some of the most benign things. And then it's freaking out at me at any rate, here goes, uh, since I can't uh, show the video that I recorded earlier to you, um, I'm going to do my best to give you the description now, um, in the context of the grander scheme of, of what we're doing today in 2020 at the beginning of the most blatant disregard for the Constitution 
that our country has ever seen. Blatant disregard for the Constitution. The state of Michigan saw tons of people coming together to try to stop this trampling of individual liberties. As a part of these efforts, three distinct grassroots groups were formed and they each created and circulated um, different petitions. One uh, to change a state law, one to um, um, amend the Michigan state constitution and one to, um, I can't think of my recall, Governor Whitmer. The first of these petitions was the Restore Freedom Initiative petition. And it was a petition to amend the Michigan State Constitution. On election day 2020, we had thousands of volunteers all across the state collecting signatures to secure the petitions or the amendments uh, place on the next general election ballot. As the author of the petition and uh, the chief legal counsel for the initiative, I responded to a, a request for legal assistance in Allegan County that day, where a township clerk and a sheriff's deputy were threatening the petition circulators with arrest if they didn't leave. Unable to come to a common understanding about uh, over the phone with the sheriff's deputy about the circulators' rights under both the Constitution and state election law, we agreed that I would come there in person to discuss with him face-to-face -face the legalities of the situation. Once I arrived, though, and the deputy and I were face-to-face, -face, he outright refused to discuss any of the law or constitutional provisions involved. And he nearly immediately called for two additional deputies to show up and the three of them proceeded to violently arrest me within minutes of arriving, physically hurting me in a manner that left me with cuts, bruises, contusions, and an immense amount of emotional trauma. My then six-year-old daughter Emma was with me that day and uh, not only did they tell me they were having CPS come and take her away and refuse to allow me to call my husband to come and get her, they also refused uh, to allow her to remain in the care of friends who had arrived on scene. But even worse, they caused an immense amount of trauma for her. As she burst into tears, being absolutely frightened at the sight of, <sighs> of seeing them literally dragging me away from her, screaming in pain as they did it. Now, 16 months later, she still bursts into tears when she thinks about what happened that day. And now, 16 months later, I am still waiting for my fair and speedy trial because if the events of that day weren't bad enough, they formally charged me with trespassing on publicly government-owned property open to the general public while fulfilling my duties as an attorney and public official in the state of Michigan. Since this whole thing has started, the sheriff's deputies, the uh, prosecuting attorneys, the judges have all 
continued to violate the U.S. and Michigan constitutions, state and federal law, court rules, orders of the Michigan Supreme Court, all resulting in my individual liberties being trampled, especially those related to due process. Got through that with almost, almost no ad-libbing or adding of extra description and without bursting into tears. So I am proud of myself. But let's see if my comment section works. Okay. Uh, so what I want to do is walk you through your right to be on government property generally. There are some uh, nuances, but you have that right. And I think in the greater context of things, um, it's going to be easiest to share this with you um, by reading the section of the brief that I want to highlight for you and then describing the pieces that may be a little bit too much legalese. So three things in this case stick out, and I'm starting at the bottom of page 18. If you are following along in that first uh, link I shared with you in the description of the video, or you've just happened to find it on the uh, resources tab of our website. So these three things in this case stick out. One, the deputies were threatening to arrest circulators, the circulators, long before I even arrived, because the property owner didn't want them there. Number two, the sheriff said the clerk, the township clerk, had the authority to have me arrested for trespassing by virtue of having control over the property. So according to him, the person with control over the property is allowed to do whatever they want. And three, the resolution, um, paragraph three of the township's resolution that they were saying that was involved, it prohibits property access for most of the public without express consent of the clerk. Each of these things demonstrates an appalling misconception of rights of the public um, on the part of these public officials in Allegan County. They don't un understand. They don't get it. They don't get who have who, my grandma's failing me today, who has the rights and what those rights are, uh, let alone do they understand their duty to secure and protect those rights. So um, all of the uh, cases, constitutional provisions, statutes, uh, you name it, that back up and bolster and support what I'm saying, not even all, just the ones I've narrowed it down to when I submitted this brief, uh, they're in here. And um, there's probably in this small section of four pages, three pages worth, um, there's probably, if I had to guess, 30 different cases that support what I'm saying. And that's because I'm trying to speak their language of case law, right? Using, using the precedent that has been decided in the U.S. Supreme Court, Michigan Supreme Court, and at times the Michigan Court of Appeals, if there's no other case on point, to show y'all are stupid because you don't know that the people have the right 
to be on government property generally, or even on privately owned property that's open to the general public. And you can't discriminate because the owner doesn't want you there. So that was my less than professional way of saying that. But so Leighton Township Hall, where this all happened, it's public property. Um, it's a town hall and a public library. And Black's Law, Black's Law Dictionary explains uh, this probably the clearest. Uh, property, um, the property involved is public, belonging, which means that it belongs to an entire community, state or nation. It is open or available for all to use, share, or enjoy. It is a place open or visible to the public. Black's Law Dictionary also describes a public building as one being accessible to the public, especially one owned by the government. And Black's also explains um, another term that means the public right of importance to or available to the public. A city holds title to its streets as property in this term that I'm not going to be able to say, so I'm not describing it, but it's it's in the brief. So um, right then and there, let's just kind of let that sink in, okay? A town hall in, I would guess, nearly every state, if not every state, but this is specifically... Uh, pertinent to the state of Michigan. A town hall houses a town's government. And um, that's, of course, where town meetings or assemblies of citizens for the purposes of discussing political, economic, and social issues are held. The um, That's the whole, like, that's the definition of town hall right? Those, those things there uh, that I just said, they're, they're in quotations in the document. Uh, those aren't things that I just came up with on my own. They are stuff, uh, they're, they're made of the stuff that is so um, commonplace, so um, agreed upon and settled that it's in the Black's Law Dictionary. And my dictionary is, my print dictionary is 20, 20 years old. Um, the very idea of government, Republican in form, which we have guaranteed to us, Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution, the very idea of us having this Republican form of government implies a right on the part of its citizens to meet peaceably for consultation in respect to public affairs and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And the U.S. Supreme Court said that in 1939, and actually was citing case from 1876. So this is common sense stuff that all judges, attorneys, and certainly law enforcement personnel should know by now. This isn't some new stuff, a nuance, uh, so to speak. And again, this is where um, the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and the Michigan Constitution, Article 1, Section 3 comes into play. We have that right to peaceably assemble and to petition our government for a redress of grievances. So obviously you have to have a place to be able to do that, right? Uh, if you're allowed to do both of those things, then you don't have to do that from your home. Assembly. 
and discussing public questions are traditional uses of public spaces. That makes sense. Public spaces, you go and you assemble with other people for whatever purpose. And discussing public questions, questions that are, you know, commonplace or important or, you know, curious to uh, members of the general public, or at least segments of the general public, those are traditional uses of public places, like libraries, parks, streets, and facility facilities where government bodies meet. Uh, that's also not my own wording. That was uh, made pretty clear by the United States Supreme Court in 1969 in the Shuttlesworth case. And uh, they'd been quoting cases uh, earlier than that. Um, but also in the Michigan jurisprudence world, uh, the Michigan Court of Appeals in 1995 also explicitly acknowledged uh, that's what these public places are for. So a township, now this is great. This might sound like a bunch of, uh, of course, now my neighbor decides to run and rev her motorcycle nonstop. So uh, anyway, a township may not by its own ipsy dixit destroy the public forum status of such property, nor exclude people from such forums. So what does that mean? Well, um, this is uh, this is great. I know you guys just absolutely love hearing all these legal definitions, but this is, I mean, when I read this case, you know, quite a, a while ago now, it, um, I mean, I, it stuck with me. Um, I thought, does this really say what I think it says? And Yes, yes, it does. Um, of course, I have way too many things tabbed in here. All right. Ipsy Dixit. He himself said it. <laughs> That's literally what it means. Something asserted but not proved. So um, basically what the court, mind you, this was, um, let's see, what case was that that said that? 27. That was the United States Supreme Court in 1981 said that a township cannot, by its own ipsy dixit, cannot just say uh, something is true and then not prove it and then we just have to run with it. That's exactly what happened here. And that is what's happening to a lot of people across the U.S. right now, uh, not just in the state of Michigan. And that's why this uh, particular video is so important. This topic is so important to talk about right now. But um, a township may not, uh, by its own ipsy dixit, destroy the public forum status of that kind of property. The parks, the um, buildings where government officials or government, um, um, oh my goodness, groups, um, councils, government bodies meet. Um, streets and libraries, those are all public forums. Uh, nor, nor are government officials, such as in this case, the township clerk uh, or the deputy, they're not allowed to exclude people from that forum. And that is um, the United States Supreme Court in 1981 saying that, in which all parties have a right a constitutional right of access. So, um, and that's 
um, the United States Supreme Court as well. So what does it mean? What am I talking about? How do we have a constitutional right of access to certain property? Well, um, I'm going to go into detail, but hang in there with me on the detail of this, because this is saying if you have government property, not all government property, but government property generally, right? The kind of property that is open to the general public or even privately owned property, private property owned by a person or a business or whatever, private property that is open to the general public, then you can't just go excluding people just because you want to. You can't just say, oh, I just don't want you here. You have to go and then say, oh, I'm going to prosecute you for trespass if you don't leave. That's not okay. So the clerk in my case, but again, this applies to you in whatever application applies in your situation. He or she, in, in my case, it was a she, she does not have the right to interfere with free access to the streets, parks, or public places of the township. That's not my language. That is language of court precedent, case law, they call it. Um, and if it's a law, then, hey, they have to follow it, right? She can't just take that access away. She can't interfere with that access. She can't. I don't care if there's a resolution or an ordinance or even a state law that allows her to, she can't. Um, in those places, those public places of the township. And for those of you who haven't seen the video, um, I did include the link to the original incident video in the description of this um, episode here. So you can go uh, over to Rumble, check it out, watch that video. It's not just me recording. It was the recording happening simultaneously from several different people. Um, that, that shows we were outside. That shows we were in the parking lot. That shows that we were at the property of the building, which is publicly owned, publicly accessible, uh, meaning open to the general public, because it was both uh, a township hall a, and a public library, and that day, a polling location, all in one. So um, the, the Michigan Supreme Court has clarified or described over the years that uh, when you have something like a town hall that is a public property, the clerk does not have exclusive possession like a homeowner would in their case. Um, because a homeowner, generally speaking, uh, when we talk about a home, that homeowner is not opening up their property to uh, the general public. But um, even if you don't consider who they're opening their, their home up for, and you just look at who owns it, um, private property, the whole concept of private property, it, you know, is to be able to enjoy your right to own it, to have it, to use it exclusive of all the other people. So your home, your car, um, it's your stuff, right? You have the right to be there, certainly, and most uh, um, 
specifically your home. So uh, the township's ownership, the, the U.S. Supreme Court has explained, the township's ownership of streets and parking lots is not as absolute as one's ownership of his home with consequent power altogether to exclude citizens from the use thereof. So they're saying you can't just because you're a township or a government entity, you can't just, yes, you own the streets and the parking lots, but you can't just use that ownership status to exclude members of the public from being there. The deputy's actions in this case, the sheriff's statement and the resolution uh, that I alluded to earlier um, imply that the government has property rights akin to a private homeowner. And quite frankly, we've seen that in a lot of different examples all across the country, certainly all across Michigan, where they're saying that even in these situations, let alone a privately owned property, uh, that these governmental officers or bodies can exclude anyone at any time for any reason. Uh, but the government acts on behalf of the people, gets its authority from the people, and it has no property rights distinct from the people. I know I'm going through a lot, so I'm just going to repeat that real quick. The government, so we the people, we have inherent rights from God. We have rights where the government is instituted to protect and secure those rights. The government is instituted to protect and secure those rights. The constitution is the document where we've agreed. It's a contract. It's a, it's an agreement of how we're going to come together and live as a society where uh, the government is going to uh, be there to help uh, sort out those times where the exercise, where me exercising my rights might be, um, trampling upon you exercising your rights and to be able to sort out those kinds of disputes. But the, the contract we've made with the government is, hey, you will exist to do that. But in so doing, we're going to have these limitations on you. The Constitution is literally there to limit and restrain the powers of government. And notice I said powers. The government is not given any kind of rights. The government doesn't have rights. We kind of use that term, you know, loosely a lot, but the government has certain power or authority to do specific things. If the Constitution gives them that authority, specifically the state or federal Constitution, then the government may actually act in that regard. If the Constitution doesn't provide that authority, the government can't act. And it doesn't have its own separate set of rights. And it can't own property all on its own. Uh, it doesn't have its own inherent property rights to use that property to the exclusion of all other people. No, it's property rights. All of its, um, you know, um, rights, if you will, are in the course of serving the people as a whole. And so those rights don't exist distinct from the people's rights to, to use that property or whatever. So the Michigan Supreme Court, way back in 1891, made it pretty darn clear. Ownership of public properties in the, is in the whole people of the state. So ownership of publicly owned property is, the ownership is held by the whole people, by the people themselves of the state. And no individual has any property right in them. That would include the township clerk. 
So government owns property in trust for the public. That's how they're allowed to, to hold property, to have title. They're owning that property uh, in trust to use it for the benefit of the public. And they must preserve, again, this is not my language. This, if you pull up the document, you'll see this is case after case after case after statute after constitutional provision where all of this information has been made so blatantly obvious uh, and this stuff should not be still happening all these years later. But the government must preserve the property under its control for the use to which it is lawfully dedicated. There's a couple of things going on there. Um, but I'm going to kind of come back to that. While the people own all government property, the public's access, it may be limited based on the character of the property, right? So the purpose for which the property is lawfully dedicated. So there's public access, there's limited public access, non-public access, so um, in criminal trespass cases, and this is across the U.S., but also specifically applies in Michigan, the right of access a person has hinges, so the person being charged with trespassing, that right of their, their right to access that property hinges on the property's normal use. So it's trespassing to be right outside a prison. Michigan, you look at MCL 764.23A subdivision one, or it's also trespassing to be on specific state swampland. MCL 324.41512. Uh, it's because those properties are being held for a legitimate non-public or limited public purpose. And this would be the case with public hospitals, military bases, municipal airports, and United States Postal Service mailboxes, okay? So those are examples of public property where um, you don't have, you know, you have the right to access that in a specific way because the purpose of that um, use, you know, there there is a need, there is a function. I'm trying to get out of the sun. The sun is getting brighter and brighter on me. So the, you know, there is a, a good reason for saying you can't just go in and parade around a, uh, um, a, a prison whenever and however you feel like it, doing whatever you want. You can't go inside the prison whenever you feel like it because of obvious reasons. <laughs> So that is a government-owned, a publicly-owned property that has a limited public accessibility. So hopefully that, that makes sense. Same thing with military bases. That's publicly-owned property, but it's serving a particular purpose. And our national security would be in great detriment if anybody were just allowed to walk on base and whatever they felt like it and do whatever they want under the, the guise of free speech or peaceable assembly. That's not the kind of place where uh, we're supposed to be able to get together, to gather, to uh, petition our government for a redress of grievances. So hopefully now it's, it's a little bit easier to understand the dichotomy and the difference between going to a government property like a township hall or a state legislative building or something like that, where, you know, streets, parks, libraries, um, the, the 
the town halls, the places where people are traditionally, historically, people go and they assemble in those places. People go and they petition their government in those places. That is the place to go to petition, especially a town hall that is a library uh, in their streets and parking lots on election day. That is like the epitome of where and how and when people are going to assemble to petition their government. This was literally a petition to amend the state constitution because of the government to petition their government for redress of grievances. Um, so hopefully that, that makes sense how that is different from going to, um, you know, having unlimited access to a, a military base or post office, uh, box or a municipal airport. I mean, there's other safety and security reasons, uh, for the particular function, not safety for the, the public as a whole. I'm not talking about that because we've gone through the videos, uh, talking about the number of times the word safety, uh, or welfare or whatever is even in the constitution. Uh, but I'm talking about those properties are designated for a specific purpose and uh, the access makes sense that you would limit at different times or in different ways uh, for those purposes. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> the in my case, the prosecutor hammered on this and I think that it's also been something that's, I'm just going to keep going farther and farther this way. We'll see if that works. Um, okay. So the, um, the government in my case hammered on this um, United States Supreme Court case from 1981 that said, the first amendment does not guarantee access to property simply because it is owned or controlled by the government. Okay. Well, duh. We just talked about why that is. Um, but it does protect a right of access to places traditionally open to the public. That's what we've been hammering on. Is it a place traditionally open to the public? Is it a, if it's property generally open to the public, then the government can't just stop you from having access. Uh, even with private property, and this is the best part because we saw a lot of discrimination happening in places like Menards and Costco and uh, in, you know, private little shops and things of that nature. Okay. Uh, places that are open to the general public, but they're privately owned. Uh, the courts have said, even with private property, ownership does not always mean absolute dominion. Ownership Private ownership of property does not always mean absolute dominion. The more an owner, for his own advantage, opens up his property for use by the public in general, such as having a store, you're going to have a profit come in because you're opening your property to the general public. The more do his rights become circumscribed by the statutory and constitutional uh, rights of those who use it. So is that legalese? possibly, but I think it's pretty darn clear. If you own property and you're a private entity, a person, a corporation doesn't really matter. If you own private property and you are purposely opening up that property to the general public for your own benefit of some way, but the easiest example is to say like Costco, 
you're opening up your property to the general public to make money to sell your items, then your ability to have absolute control and dominion over that property is no longer absolute because now your ability to control that property comes in in some respects, secondary to the the rights that the general public has to then use it equally in ways that, that the state law or the constitution guarantees. So, for example, discrimination based on gender or um, uh, discrimination based on uh, race or uh, based on... Um, you know, if you're in a wheelchair or something like that, we now know, hopefully all of us now know that those things are not okay. We've had enough tumultuous history in our country, certainly enough case law to tell us those kinds of discrimination, even on privately owned property are not okay. So, um, Hopefully I'm giving you enough examples and giving you enough context that you could see. This is all stuff that we know. You know this stuff. Don't feel like it's so much information you're going to forget it when you need it. You know these things. It's just pulling all of this stuff together in one way so you can use it to defend yourself if you find yourself being charged such as I have been. Okay, so for all property all property open to the general public, regardless of if it's owned by the government or an individual, for all property open to the public, no meaningful claim to protection of a right of privacy can be made. So that means all members of the public have an equal right of access. All members of the public have an equal right of access. If you're opening your property up to the general public, then you darn well better open your property up to the public. You can't cherry pick. Thus, this access may be denied to property not open to the general public but not to property open to the public generally, okay? Unless, unless when you exclude someone, so you have private or, or government-owned property and it's property open to the general public, you cannot exclude a member of the general public unless the person you're excluding, such as me in my case, is number one, obstructing normal operations, or number two, interfering with others' rights of normal use of the property. This is um, a super great example to use as what actually happened to me, and, and so you can apply it in other situations. But if I were obstructing that day, if I were there at the property, and I was my presence was obstructing normal operations, if I was, if I had my vehicle parked in such a way that I was um, stopping people from being able to get into the parking lot to be able to vote. Or I was, I don't know, I was threatening the uh, township officials running the elections 
in such a continual, you know, ridiculous fashion that they could not concentrate on the task at hand to run the election. If I was obstructing the normal operation in any way, then they could exclude me. It wouldn't just be trespassing, though. It would be something else. Um, or if I was interfering with the other members of the general public from using it. So like I said, if I'm stopping people from being able to vote, if I was going up, uh, so in the Supreme Court has said, you can't, uh, it's okay if states have a rule or a law that um, says you can't go within a hundred feet of a door of a polling precinct with your uh, petitions or, you know, campaigning or anything like that, that they can say, we're going to exclude you. You got to be at least 100 feet away from the door of the precinct on election day. Um, because we want people to freely be able to come in and vote without having the, the pressure or whatever, uh, undue influence or whatever, whatever the, the cause is, right. People want to be able to go and vote and not feel like they're, they're, um, forced to, to vote a certain way or that they're going to just be so pressured by the whole thing. They just walk away and they don't even utilize their right to vote. Um, so that is, um, if I had been going up to people and, you know, harassing them, if I had been within the 100 foot line, I think we were uh, the exact, the maps and everything, the locations, the, the aerial views, all that's in the um, uh, appendix uh, documents that are available on my website if you wanted to check that out to just to get, get that example, like <laughs> beat this example home in your head to uh, really let it sink in what we're talking about here. But I want to say we were like 229 feet. We were more than double the distance required uh, by state law or even by the U.S. Supreme Court to uh, be away from the door of the precinct that day. So that's not that's not what was happening. So I wasn't uh, obstructing normal operations. I wasn't interfering with the rights of others to use the property for its intended use. Um, so when you do exclude people for one of those two reasons, uh, the people excluded <clears throat> can be charged with disturbing the peace um, usually under MCL in Michigan, it'd be MCL 750.167 or 750.170. But regardless of ownership, like as to the property, regardless of if the state owns it or township or a private entity, regardless of ownership of the property, members of the public may not be excluded from property open to the public through the use of trespass laws. So a lot of hitting the same general notes over and over again here, because this is something that we all know in each of these little respects, each of these little um, pieces, and it's just pulling it all together to go, holy crap, I've known this. Yeah, that makes sense. I knew it was wrong. I just didn't realize how to word it or where it came from. So this is... Um, um, this is, um, sorry, I just happened to glance at some of the comments that were coming in. Um, this is important. So I'm going to, I'm going to hammer this home regardless of whether it is a publicly or privately owned property, members of the public cannot be excluded from property open to the public 
through the use of trespassing laws. And uh, one of the best places to find that is in the um, Logan case that, shoot, here is it, uh, Food Employees v. Logan Valley Plaza. It was a United States Supreme Court case from 1968. That's one of, honestly, the best examples. If you just kind of read through, even I know it's a bunch of legal crap and a lot of you find it overwhelming or boring. I'm telling you, once you have a particular situation, a particular case, just think of my case if you don't have your own yet. Think about it and apply it to what's happening. You're going to read it. I guarantee you, you'll read it. And even though there's going to be some legalese in there, you're going to go, whoa, yeah, this is exactly, this is applicable. This is saying they can't do this. And it'll help you remember your own rights the next time it happens to you or someone that you know. Um, or if you see something happening to someone in the general public and you're like, you know what? I'm not an attorney, but this isn't right. It doesn't matter. You still have the right to say something, to do something, to help in some way. So, um, as I mentioned in my case, I concluded the section uh, in the brief by saying that I was not impeding normal town hall operations or the rights of others. Uh, so I was not disturbing the peace. Um, I, the fact that I was on property open to the general public, I was not trespassing, nor can my exclusion be pursued through trespassing charges. They can't just call it trespassing because they want to. My mere presence then was unquestioningly lawful, leaving the, cl the clerk, the township clerk, no authority to remove me. And that, if you read a U.S. Supreme Court case, um, the Brown case in the, in the U.S. Supreme Court, um, I'm not finding the, oh, Brown v. Louisiana um, from 1966. You will see again how so much of that case is like, wow, <laughs> uh, it's what they're doing today to me, to others, and it's already been decided. I can't do the math right now, 66. That would be 40, 50, 60, 60 years ago. 60 years ago, we're talking about that the U.S. Supreme Court already smacked them in their faces and said, no, dummy, you can't do this to people. You don't have the right to do this to members of the general public. Okay, so that was... Um, that was the discussion at hand. There's so much more I could say about it. I mean, endless amounts of information we could go over. But uh, as the sun moves, I'm getting more and more blinded. And uh, with uh, me being in timeout on YouTube, um, I'm getting uh, more and more shadow banning into places. So uh, I would encourage you to to really listen to what we had to say today, to think about it, to re-listen to it or re-watch it. I didn't do a lot of screen sharing today. Uh, I want this to be something that you could be at work listening, going about your business, or as someone told me, uh, a friend of mine who's a huge freedom fighter up in Michigan and um, basically got her start with the freedom fighting uh, by, by being a, a huge help in the Restore Freedom Initiative petition efforts. Uh, she told me uh, a week or two ago that she listens and she's folding laundry. She's doing all her laundry. If you find yourself um, as a mom who's staying at home or a person who's busy at work or whatever the case is, unable to sit and focus on one of these uh, videos, 
to learn about the Constitution without having those interruptions. Go ahead and listen to it while you have that other stuff going on. And I guarantee you, it'll start sinking in. And if you can, listen to these over and over again. Some of them are, you know, probably more beneficial than not to be able to listen to them. I am going to try very hard to make these something that you can benefit greatly from, even if you're not able to view the screen. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, please keep in mind, I have a few more uh, links and whatnot in the description of the video uh, today because I wanted to give you the ability to go back and click and check things and read things yourself. Number one, because I don't expect you to ever just believe my word for it. I want you to read the law. I want you to read the Constitution. We are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So the people need to know what's going on and the people need to hold their government accountable when they do wrong. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to bring you back, circle back to that call to action, that way to get involved. It's not a challenge of the week. This is something that I would personally benefit from. So it is simply an idea, uh, an invitation, if you will. If you, especially now after hearing uh, the law, and that's just one tiny little piece of how they got it wrong. Okay. One tiny little piece, three, about three pages worth. If you think, if you feel strongly that they have done something wrong, that they are damaging uh, the people of the state of Michigan, that they are they are um, not fulfilling their duty, their oath to uphold and support and defend the Constitution, if you feel like that case should not be continuing to go, because that's all I did. I mean, you're, you, every single document about this case uh, is uh, right on my website. There's no hiding anything about the case or what I what I did or what they claim I did. They don't claim I did anything else. I was there. They told me to leave. I didn't leave. That is literally the only facts of the case that they think are relevant. So that's not a thing. That's that's not a crime. What's even more. <laughs> What's even more amusing is, is uh, that the trial court judge actually said to me in my hearing and my motion to dismiss over a year ago now that um, I can't claim any First Amendment um, defenses or bring any of that up because um, it was, this is a case about the trespass or the overstay of my car on township property. And I'm like, okay, my car is now trespassing. If you look at the language of the law, it's not possible for an inanimate object to have the intent required to refuse to leave property after being instructed to do so. At any rate, um, I hope that you guys uh, are able to benefit from today's episode. Um, I invite you to email prosecutor at AlleganCounty.org and fbaker at AlleganCounty.org if you would like to speak your word on this case. Go to their Facebook pages and post. That's what um, a lot of people have had done um, when this initial thing happened, and some people have continued to do since. Uh, it all matters. However you reach out, every little bit helps and it matters and I would appreciate it. But I also just want to empower you. Let's say you have your own case you're dealing with. 
Um, don't worry about mine. The links I gave you today to go to the directory of prosecuting attorneys and the directory of sheriffs was because if you find yourself in a situation like this, or you know of something happening in your own county, I want you to be able to readily access that prosecuting attorney and that sheriff and communicate with them and tell them what is right and how they are doing wrong and that you expect better from them and that they will be held accountable. That we, the people, such as yourself, are watching and there will be consequences when they go astray of their duty. So thank you so much for checking in today. I will, um, I'm going to scroll really quick. I don't see um, a bunch of comments, so I'm just... Um, okay. I do see Robert had a question a while back at the very beginning about, um, what the case is about. I I'm assuming that I have now answered you. Um, but anyway, so, um, thank you so much for tuning in today and, uh, please make sure to share this video with others, uh, especially your teenagers. Uh, your loved ones, your neighbors, your friends, your colleagues, uh, and your family. So um, have a wonderful and blessed afternoon, and I will see you guys soon. Hopefully, uh, we will have no more technological issues that prevent us from going live in the noon hour next Tuesday. That is the goal. So barring any of those um, technological issues, I will see you next Tuesday in the noon hour, Eastern Standard Time. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.